Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. On today's episode, we feature an interview with Ellen Widboom, and Kaylee Kincaid joins me in the studio, and we talk Ledgestone, traveling for tournaments, and answer listener questions. All right, time to talk Ladies Disc Golf. everyone, this is Becca Kephart, and I am thrilled to have joining me in the studio, the one, the only, Kaylee Kincaid. Before we get started, there were just a couple things that I wanted to mention. I wanted to do a shout out and thank you to all our new Patreon supporters. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the podcast. And you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month uh, through Patreon. I also wanted to give an update. I talked last podcast about a new video series that Lupe and I are doing, and we kind of went back out and re-recorded this weekend. I was really happy with the content that we got the first time, but the video quality wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, so I upgraded one piece of my equipment, um, and I think it came out pretty good, so look for that out on YouTube, hopefully in the next week or so. I'll certainly post on Facebook when that's available. So Kaylee, we're going to start with our first segment, What You've Been Disking, where we share one disc golf-related thing we're excited about. So Kaylee, what you got? I am uh, pretty excited. Uh, today's actually Monday and it's the regular Kansas City Diva League. And I'm working with Rhonda to start um, a competitive women's league yeah. here in Kansas City. We're definitely ready for a next step and I'm excited to see more women are competing. Um, and I think it's time that we have a league. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, and since you brought it up now, I'm actually going to do a little bit more of an in-depth interview with Kaylee here in a minute. But I had that on my list to talk to you about the Divas FPO and training. So can you talk just a little bit about what that involves and kind of your plan for it and what you're doing? Really, my plan uh, was just to get more women involved in competitive disc golf in Kansas City. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like the first step to that is um, women being more comfortable competing. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's a lot of a lot of women that play in Kansas City, but not a lot of them um, over the last couple of years, especially have really been competing. And so my thought was if we could come up with a more casual format um, to get women comfortable with competing yeah. um, and just go over the rules, play just like it were a tournament. Um, a lot of times I like to give tips uh, yeah. and I really like to encourage like a positive, um, encouraging atmosphere because I really feel like that for me that's when I started playing FPO um, that's really what sets pros apart from Mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of other divisions is just this positive encouragement Um, everybody's professional and respectful and uh, you know I just want to make sure that we maintain that it's because it's not you against the people on your card it's you against the course and so you know my I mean I want everybody on my card to do well. Obviously, it'd be great if I did best, but (laughs) I'm okay with that too. And so that's really um, what I'm trying to foster here in Kansas City and just, um, you know, that sort of atmosphere and then getting women more comfortable competing. That's awesome. And there's some cash on the line too, There is, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Not last week. A week before, we had four women show up and uh, we had a tie for second place. So three women took home cash. Yeah. Um, I was able to kind of give some tips and you know, help people kind of shoot out from behind the trees or like find the right line. Um, And it seemed like it was a great success. Everybody had a great time. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's so helpful, you know, even if it's just a little bit of cash on the line, just to practice what that kind of pressure feels like, you know, just to do something to make it more than just a, you know, casual round. Um, That's really great. I got to do your competitive league once last winter and hopefully once the schedule stuff changes I'll be able to do it again because it was great and you gave me some good tips that really helped my drive so I need you to fix everything else that's wrong with my plane that'd be great anyway (laughs) that's awesome thanks I'm glad it helped speaking of so for my uh what you've been disking I talked on the last podcast about my very first DNF I had a panic attack the night before a tournament 
and was only able to finish the first round. Um, so I'm very happy to report that I was able to bounce back really well. Uh, competed in the Raymore Rumble last weekend, and not only did I complete it, I got my very first win in Intermediate Women, <laughs> which is really exciting. And I think even beyond that, what was the most exciting thing for me, honestly, was that I improved my score by 25 throws over that tournament last year. Granted, that kind of speaks to how badly I did in the tournament last year. Um, But still, that's really cool to see that improvement. Um, And I feel like I have like so much more to work on. And yeah, it was just really, really exciting. So that was super, super cool. Yeah, that's great. Progress is progress. Yeah. I mean, for me, that really um, last year was my biggest year, like touring and playing big tournaments. And the thing Mm -hmm. I learned the most was how my nerves affect my game. Um, And you know, little ways to sort of get on top of them. And right. I, made it, I mean, I've really, that's been the biggest progress in my game is just getting a hold of my nerves. All right. So let's kind of move into a bit of an interview with you here. So can you talk a little bit about how you first started playing disc golf and some about your disc golf journey? Yeah. Uh, I started, I think the first time I ever threw was in 2000. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, a, my... A couple of my sister's friends were talking about it, and I was like, what is this? I've never heard of such a thing. (laughs) And so they took me out, and I was immediately in love. Um, I played pretty casually for really up until just the last four or five years. I started taking it a lot more seriously and um, just have always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed the community aspect of disc golf and just all the locals. Like, everyone takes care of the course. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's... Yeah, about four years ago, I started um, playing a little, little, taking it a little more more seriously. I was playing advanced at the time, and really there wasn't anyone to compete against. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, you know, my game's kind of plateaued. It's time to get beat by better people. And sure. I stepped up, uh, I think, in 2016 and played open at the y- the Canyon Wyco, I think. I took my first win. And then... Um, Last year, I started um, touring a little bit. I played in Texas. I played, um, really, that's about the furthest I went. I played a lot in Kansas and Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the GBO, uh, two pretty big tournaments, yeah. and really learned a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. about my nerves and um, how to get a hold of those. And then just have really been working on finding my line off the tee pad, um, honing in my approach. And finally, I think in the last year, my putt, I've found sort of a mechanic to that. That's been a really big part of my game. Awesome. So you mentioned that you have traveled for tournaments a lot more this year. And I want to talk to you about some of those specific tournaments. But first, kind of our unofficial topic of the week this week is traveling for tournaments. So can you just talk a little bit about the logistical process of traveling for tournaments? Um, do you get there and practice all of those kinds of things? Uh, what do you do? So if I can, I definitely like to see the course, uh, at least once before I play just to familiarize myself with it, to kind of feel, you know, see the lines through a couple of different lines if possible. Uh, last year was really big on going and doing a lot more prep work. I would like take notes and tell myself which disc to choose. And really I decided that that, um, took me out of the present a little mm-hmm. bit more. I would be in a tournament and I would look at my notes and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel the wind. I wouldn't think about all the other factors. And mm-hmm. uh, so now I like to go, I like to see the course. I like to feel the lines and then leave it at that and yeah. make sure that I stay in the present. And I've found that I've, I do a lot better that way. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, if it's a pretty far away tournament. I like to get there a couple days early Mm -hmm. and be able to do that. Um, If it's somewhere that's drivable, like I played Iowa a couple weekends ago and I went up a week before and played two of the courses and then went a couple days early and played one one day early and played the other two courses. That seemed to really work out Uh, when it's when you're traveling further, it's interesting because you have, you know, you got, you can check two bags and you have a carry on. And so, um, especially being unfamiliar with the courses it's it's 
kind of nerve wracking, yeah. making sure that you have all your rain gear, all your stuff, all your like right. backup discs, a array of backup discs that right. maybe are like more flippy than you would think sure. or, and more overstable than you'd think right. you'd need. Um, but still kind of trying to keep that to a minimum so you can fit everything on the plane without having yeah. to be charged extra for bags. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, I mean, you were at the bloom a few weeks ago and I mean, discs fly a lot different at elevation a than they do. A lot or, different, yeah. yes. <laughs> and that's got to be kind of challenging to yeah, figure out was. what you need. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I have, my friend lives up there, and I was like, so how should I pack my bag? And he's like, oh, you know, just take the most overstable version of all your molds out of your bag and yeah. just use your more flippy stuff. So I thought I had done that. I went up for a practice round, and I could not get anything to turn over yeah so luckily I had my whole car full of discs and went and like put everything back in my bag that I'd taken out that was way too flippy and then I went and bought like four dx 166 discs yeah uh, and yeah and was able to really kind of figure it out by the last round and start to turn things around cool yeah so far this year you've played both an nt and a disc golf pro tour event you played memorial in jonesboro so Uh, i played vegas i'm sorry vegas and jonesboro yes Yes. and the gbo that's right you played vegas and jonesboro and the gbo (laughs) gbo wasn't quite as far but yeah a little more travel for jonesboro and certainly for vegas Mm -hmm. so can you talk about specifically vegas and jonesboro and kind of compare and contrast the nt versus the pro tour I don't know if it's like situational, um, Mm -hmm. the difference. Um, I really liked Jonesboro because it was one course. Mm -hmm. Uh, The guys there were really cognizant about making sure that all of the holes were women-appropriate pars, which I thought was really cool. Um, Like the longer holes, like they made a big point to be sure that we still had a challenge, but the distance was manageable. Um, and parable, but still challenging like it was for the men. Uh, I thought that was really awesome. Um, I feel like Vegas seems like we had, it was, I think we had all the same tee pads, yeah. which is yeah. okay and different. Yeah. It was interesting because it was three courses. Um, right. so, you know, there's no, no redemption there. Right. You, get, <laughs> you get your one round and that's it. Right. Uh, both of the both of those tournaments were top-level courses. The courses were well-maintained. Um, we had the whole Wild Horse Disc Golf or Wild Horse Golf Club for the entire week, so it was cool. We could go and practice for free. Yeah. And um, As far as differences, I mean, the main thing really was just the Vegas was, I feel like, a lot more challenging because it was three courses to learn. Yeah, and, that um, makes sense. Yeah, and very different courses. Sure. So I hesitate to use the word favorite, but you've been on some super cool cards this year. Uh, can you give us one or two touring pros that you've really enjoyed being on a card with? Uh, I would have to say Des Redding is definitely one of my oh, yeah. faves. She's uh, super chill, really cool to play with. Always seems to have a good time, even if she like has a bad shot or sure. something. She just moves on and has a great attitude and is yeah. an awesome person to play with. Another favorite... I really enjoyed playing with Erica Stankcomb. Yeah. Is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, Stinchcomb. Stinchcomb. Um, I said her name like four different times when <laughs> she was on the podcast. I felt so bad. She said you just like, just run right through it. And that's the way you say it. But yeah. Yeah. So she's really fun to play with. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I don't think that I've had a card where I'm like, oh, I don't ever want to play with sure. that person again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody's been great. Uh, it's interesting to see the different personalities, sure. how there's definitely some more serious golfers sure. who are certainly more introverted and right. keep to themselves. And then other ones who are happy to talk and chat yeah. and, you know, yeah, um, definitely. yeah, I've played with Lisa Fakus quite a bit. She's really great to play yeah. with. She has an awesome putt. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Good. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that stuff with us. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, my interview with Ellen Widboom. I got to talk to Ellen right before the Ledgestone Open. We'll be right back. Looking for the perfect disc golf disc to take your game to the next level? Ladies First Disc Golf makes the disc selection process easy with an inventory of women's friendly discs. Ladies First Disc Golf wants to make sure you are looking and feeling great on the course. Jazz up your disc golf wardrobe with a large selection of apparel items for women disc golfers chosen and designed by women's disc golfers. At Ladies First Disc Golf, the ladies always come first. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com for all of your women's disc golf, disc, apparel, and accessory needs. 
Ellen, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me today. I know I'm uh, I'm honored. (laughs) I always like to help out any way I can. Wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to disc golf and your disc golf journey? It probably started about six years ago, around 2012, 2013. And had a friend that introduced me to sport. We played recreationally for a couple of times. And then it just kind of fell by the wayside. We didn't hang out anymore. And a couple of years, about a year after that, I was moving and found a couple of the discs that I had in storage. Googled closest course next to me. It was 15 minutes down the road, Lagoon Valley in Vacaville, California. And went out and played and ended up meeting up with some of the locals and Honestly, from then on out, tried to go out almost every day after work to uh, to play and practice. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs> uh, so you're on Team Innova. So could you give us a yes, couple ma'am. of your favorite discs that you like to throw? Uh, my go-to is the uh, Champ, Lightweight Champ Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of It's kind of like a blizzard champ blend it's got the bubbles in the rims so it's a little bit lighter way to switch down to try to get a little bit more distance uh, i love the star firebird mm-hmm. that's my go-to for up shots and get out of jail shots and definitely love the sidewinder and i put with the yeti pro avr you kind of transitioned here this year to going on the road full-time so could you tell us a little bit about yes. that decision and that process for you? Yeah, I actually made the decision to do this two and a half years ago. Okay. I was eight years in my time in the military, and I had a choice to get out or extend for two years. And I chose to extend for two more years to get set financially and mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, kind of where I was in my journey. And I knew that I wanted to go on tour. I'd seen all the other ones, all the other people doing it, and I really wanted to progress my this golf career. And I just wanted to have fun and do something that really made me happy. Yeah. And the military, it was it was time to move on. I had done ten years. That sure. was six more years than I thought I was going to do. Yeah. And I wanted to try something new, so I set this goal in motion back in 2016, and. January 2018, I separated from the military, and about a week and a half prior to actually getting out, I actually found the vehicle that I was going to travel in, so I got it pretty close, yeah. and I found it down in SoCal, purchased the van, got it ready, and uh, set out with my sister, actually, on a kind of a mini road trip before the actual Pro Tour event started, and we did a little mini vacation to kind of celebrate my transition getting out and just her and I hanging out for a little bit. Wonderful. So can you talk a little bit about just the process of being out on the road? You mes- mentioned that you have a van that you travel in. Are you normally, you know, sleeping in that van? Are you staying at people's houses? Are you uh, like James Conrad and just hammocking it up? <laughs> what What do you do to stay <laughs> out there? I don't have a hammock yet. Uh, that's in the works, but awesome. I definitely want a hammock because uh it would be nice to have another place to stay, but yeah. So the van that I have, it's, it's a, it's actually a class B RV. So it's fully contained. It has everything I need shower. If I, if I need the shower, but I actually have a, I have a gym membership at anytime fitness that I use. Okay. That's usually where I go to take my showers, either that or it's like flying J's along the road mm-hmm. or people's houses. If uh, I'm in that, that area, sure. but uh, yeah, it's got a fridge and toilet and it's, I usually stay in that. I park. I have an app on my phone that tells me safe places to park, and I read reviews, mm-hmm. usually Walmarts, Cracker Barrels. And then if it happens to where there's not anything available in the city that the tournament's in, I, I kind of post on the pages for Facebook and try to get a hold of anybody, any members or if any friends or family. And just like, hey, I just need a place to honestly plug in right. because just to run the air conditioning and have some power. Yeah. Does anybody have like a spot for me? I don't. Know, a shower would be awesome like I hope people realize how much and I've told people this before that how much just the invite to take a hot shower and sit down on a couch and mm. be part of like a house right. for a little bit right. it uh, it means it means the world because it it's tough it's it's not an easy thing to be on your own 
trying to figure it out and I love it. I'm by no means complaining, but it is, it's tough. I I knew what I was signed up, signed up for. Yeah. And I'm loving every minute of it. But those little, little gestures mean, oh my God, they mean so much. I got, like, I got a hotel room tonight. I'm, I needed to reset. Mondays are my day off. Sure. So I just needed to reset. And, uh, and then yesterday was a really rough day, but, uh, Every once in a while, if I do well in a tournament or something like that, I'm like, all right, I'm going to treat myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just hang yeah. out and chill and kind of clean out the van and, you know, restart. So I looked at your PDGA page and I believe you've played something like 22 events already this season and you have a whole bunch more that you're signed up for. And it seems like Sounds you're, about right. Yeah, it, seems, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you're pretty much playing every weekend. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about maybe just the adjustment to competing that often? I think it's more it's, a, it's more of a mental adjustment. I don't mm-hmm. think so much physical, at least for me, my job that I used to have kept me pretty it kept me pretty in shape and physical and I was always working with my hands and heavy lifting and stuff like that so it was the mental that all right well I'm in one state this weekend and either Sunday night after the tournament's over or Monday morning I gotta hit the road to get to the next one and say bye to all the people that I just met and go to a completely different state go through completely different weather changes yeah this year has been super weird right and I, I think it's Honestly, about taking for me, I I told myself I was like Mondays are my day to not do anything disc golf related except for maybe post some stuff or uh, look at my next destination sure. and kind of write some stuff down, read a couple I read a couple books here and there, and yeah, I, I think it's been good though because I love to travel and I have some relatives and family and friends across the state. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wasn't the toughest transition to travel. I will say that because I went from a job that I traveled around the world sure. to a job that I'm traveling around the country. Right. So I was pretty used to it. Hmm. I would imagine for a lot of other people, though, it would probably be a huge adjustment to uh, different time zones and sleep schedules and stuff. But I'm actually, I'm a, it's more like a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, growing the women's game is a very hot topic in disc golf right now. So I was wondering if you have any thoughts about what is helpful for uh, growing the game, maybe particularly on the pro side of things. What have you seen that has worked? And are there any things that you'd like to see? I just talked to a lady, uh, Danielle, about this. Yeah. And she's trying to get a lot of stuff going with like clinics along the way and helping out because she knows She's seen a bunch of the clubs and that women have, but right. they don't really have, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, like they just have their boyfriends or husbands or stuff that sure. kind of like, hey, come out and play with us. And then they don't really pay any attention to them or don't try to help them out because like, they don't know how to. Right. It's, different. it's a different game mm-hmm. for us for, mm-hmm. mo- for the most part. Uh, I was actually just at a tournament where there were more women caddying for the guys and there were actually women playing in the tournament (laughs) and we talked about it i'm like why don't they play and they're just like well they just they don't get the encouragement that they need Mm -hmm. so some type of base base for and i like how the the pro tour is doing kind of like the women's tent sure uh it's kind of a place where you can go we can keep score and then there's i don't know lotions and chapsticks and you know also and this may sound really weird but well, probably not because you're a woman. You understand <laughs> bathrooms on the course. Right. There, there are actually women who don't like to play in tournaments because there's no, there's no facilities on the course, sure. and we have to deal with, you know, that once a month thing where, right. even in the last tournament, the lady's like, "I need a bathroom. Like, there's no facilities out here in the woods. Like, what am I supposed to do?" Right. This is going to be kind of a tough question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you have a favorite moment so far on tour this season? Every tournament has been pretty awesome. Yeah. Honestly, and this may sound really silly, but at the, oh man, which one was it? Is it Michigan? The Discraft, the Michigan one? Uh, the... See, they all run, they all run together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Great, great Lakes Open, Open. I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. So at that tournament, they were naming the brooms that they had put out on the course. Uh-huh. And they they were writing on them because the t got pretty gross. And Eric Oakley 
named a broom after me and it was <laughs> Ellen he named Ellen Widbroom. Yes. And he just wrote it on there. And so like people kept coming up to me, they're like, Oh my god, I saw your broom out there. Like, oh my gosh, like you're famous. And then somebody posted it online yeah. and then it was at the next tournament that we uh-huh. went to the pro tour. They're like, I saw your broom and it was yeah. just this thing and it was so silly and and it made everybody laugh that yeah. it was one of those things of like, this is what it's about. Like we have fun, we compete, but right. we can still be silly and not take ourselves so seriously. And yeah. it, I, I look back at that. And I just laugh. Like I giggle right. because I'm like, Oh my God, like be named a broom after me, you know? <laughs> well, and I think that's like kind of a thing now because I'm almost positive. I was watching the Idlewild coverage on a CCDG of Paul Macbeth's last round and they highlighted the Ellen Widbroom. So <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, it's my just friends are watching now. it. They they took a, a screenshot of it. They're like, "Oh my god, we saw it!" Right on. So uh, we've got a whole bunch of tournaments to finish out the year here. Is there any particular one that you're extra looking forward to? Um, I'm. I would have to say that I'm really looking for. I mean, Worlds is going to be great, I'm sure, and Maple Hill, like, and and all those areas. But I'm kind of looking forward to, I think it's the Ed Hedrick yeah. the, uh, Hall of Fame Classic yeah. down in Georgia. Yeah. Mainly because I really love those courses. I have good memories from people that I met down there. And I'm hoping my parents can make it up to uh, to watch me play again because they live in Florida. So I think I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that one. It's got some good memories associated with it. I, I, those courses are they're so challenging, but they're so much fun. Thank you again for taking some time to talk with me. And good luck at Ledgestone this week. All right, Becca. Thanks again. And we're back. So last time I put out a call for some questions and topics for us to discuss. So we're going to address those listener questions now. So we're going to start with one from Mike. And he says, I'm over 50 and playing intermediate in tournaments now. I find that I'm having trouble with tee pads that are not concrete or hard surface. So I make a point now to play off grass when I can. Have you ladies ever had similar issues with tee pad conditions? You want to? talk about that definitely i really feel like if at least if the ground's level um and your release point is level it's not as difficult but absolutely different surfaces can you know really make or break a run-up uh i mean you cannot do a full power run-up on like a loose or muddy surface Mm -hmm. compared to how you could on i by the way love the new astro turf tee pads that they're putting in those are awesome i really have tried to focus this year on getting my heel spin. I feel mm-hmm. like that gives you a little less drag. Uh, mm-hmm. And as long as it's a flat surface, I feel like that saves my knee a little bit more, but um, that can also be tough really. Yeah. I mean, if it's an unlevel surface. So I guess my best tip uh, for an unlevel surface would, I'd probably disc down um, and that would allow me to slow down my approach a little bit, uh, which would make it a little less risky for injury and twisting of ankles and knees. Yeah. So let me give you a specific situation I was in last week, because this is something I struggle with. Um, I have not addressed at all what to do when I'm trying to do like my X step on uh, incline and on a not hard surface. So we were playing from some short tees and we had a temporary pad basically that was on grass on an incline. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit at a loss what to do. So what would you recommend in that situation? Mm. Well, is it uphill incline? Uphill incline, yeah. Uh, Anytime I throw uphill incline... um, I mean, if I can get a decent run up, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and I always usually disc down. Yeah. I will throw something that's pretty flippy or something yeah. that's a little more lightweight. So that way I don't have to feel like I have to put so much effort into my sure. run up. I can use my arm a little bit more. Um, for a long time on uphill inclines, I would kind of make a point to stand still mm-hmm. um, yeah. because that for me, I feel like adds a little less variability, mm-hmm. but I mean, depending on the distance, I have started kind of doing some run-ups um, uphill and it's just really about slowing down, mm-hmm. um, kind of reining it in a little bit and then disking down so you can have more control with less speed Yeah, um, and hopefully get the same kind of distance. Yeah, very good. 
All right, Candy asks, I can't seem to find anything for left-handed ladies. Is it? It's frustrating going to clinics and being told no one can help. So I thought that was kind of an interesting topic. We've got some left-handed friends um, that throw. So yeah, any thoughts about that? I guess, you know, um, I mean, if your instructor is right-handed, basically they are a mirror right. for you. So that's something. Um, and I mean... The mechanic of a throw is the same right-handed or left-handed. Um, it's I, I guess it is a little bit more difficult for a right-handed person to give you tips on what you should throw uh, right. on any given hole. Sure. But sure. as far as left-handed players, I really feel like, I mean, you just kind of have to flip your mindset a little sure. bit and kind of think of that instructor mm-hmm. as a mirror yeah. instead of like trying to replicate exactly what they're doing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I guess I like that, that thought be, yeah. of Amir a lot. And hey, left-handed pros, go get you some clinics going on. That's right. Uh, that's certainly something that I think there'd be a good amount of people, you know, interested in. Absolutely. So, all right. So a little bit more serious of a question. Uh, Susie and Candy both brought up uh, this topic, male verbal abuse towards women on the course and males that don't want to play with women during minis. This is actually something I fortunately have not really dealt with on the course or in any tournaments so far. I don't doubt that it happens just because, you know, society, culture, we certainly experience that in places. Um, I've certainly experienced it in the YouTube chat room where thankfully as a moderator, I get to shut that down. So that's good. Uh, Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I really haven't experienced like verbal abuse. I definitely have been in tournaments where mm-hmm. um feels a little sexist uh sure. but i mean that's it's tough you yeah. know i mean it's kind of been i mean tournament play especially has been sort of more of a man's world i sure. guess just because oh, yeah. there aren't as many women competing mm-hmm. um i feel like you know for me the biggest thing is like get us porta potties out there <laughs> <laughs> Aside of aside from that, really though, I feel like for the most part, you know, men are pretty respectful. Yeah. There may not, I mean, there may be some like overlooking of, um, kind of shuffling women onto like a. I mean, I got put with some advanced masters. Sure. You know, and I mean, that's fine. It works. It's just, uh, yeah. yeah I, I guess I really have not experienced any kind of verbal abuse or yeah. anything like that. I, I I think more than anything, it's just kind of different standards and expectations mm-hmm. and um i think the more women get out there and play yeah and the more women have their own divisions the more things will start to get equalized and yeah you know i i, I think issues aren't known issues until they're seen by more people i Definitely. guess and experienced and so yeah and i would say too i know we have a lot of male listeners and like sometimes I, I teach teenagers and the stuff I hear it come out of, you know, teenagers and middle schoolers mouths is kind of bizarre to say the least at times, but sometimes they just don't know, you know? And I think for men, especially depending on the culture in which they were raised in, et cetera, et cetera, they might just not even be aware that something that they're saying is hurtful. And so if you're a guy and, you know, you hear somebody say something and maybe there's not even any women around while you're playing, if you could just be like, yo, just so you know, that's really not helpful for what we're trying to do out here. I think that is really important, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that kind of really speaks to what I was trying to say. Yeah, you know. definitely. So Stephanie asks a question. and I really love this question. Uh, my question after this weekend mainly focuses on mental game. For one, I struggled with making some mistakes in my tournament rounds that I had not made in my many practice rounds. For example, going into the pond or landing in the walking paths. I got into my head because I wasn't doing what I had practiced and I knew I could do better, but I think I made it worse by just doing that to my mental game. Also, questions about being the slow card at a tournament. How to deal with the pressure of having a card or cards behind your card and not letting that make you rush or get the yips. Yeah, these are big things. Um, I I always, I think that the player who can shake their cruddy shot the fastest will typically do better. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest part about mental game for me is I can be nervous 
for the entire, you know, three hours that it takes around. All I need to do is pull it together for that 30 seconds before I throw. Um, I try to just take in, you know, listen to the birds, listen to the wind, find a moment to find my center and then throw. Um, And yeah, it's, you know, we can all go over each shot we throw and, you know, oh, I should have done this. I could have done this. But really the biggest point is being present. Yeah. And you, you threw the shot you threw. So now how do we, now we're on this shot. We're not on that shot we Mm -hmm. threw last. And it's really about shaking that off and moving forward. And, um, and that's part of why I stopped taking notes on practice rounds. Cause I get in my head, this black and white of this is what I need to be doing. And then every single time I would be off that course, then I'm in my head even more. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, for me, it's just about being present and shake it off and move forward. Yeah. And I think adversity really is, I mean, the spice of disc golf. Right. I mean, if we could all throw it in right. the fairway every single time and make aces all the time, then what would be the fun in it? Exactly. You know, it's about trying to figure out how to throw that Anheuser around the tree to yeah. get you back in the fairway. Um, and so, I mean, I challenge you the next time you're have, struggling with your mental game to kind of shake it off and, you know, welcome the adversity yeah. and, and excel from there. Yeah. Um, and then what was the second part of the question? And then the pressure of being the slow card ah, and yeah. not letting the card behind you make you feel rushed. Yeah. I mean, so all of us feel that time pressure that mm-hmm. like, oh, I hate when somebody's on my tail, you know, because yeah. I hate waiting on people. Right. So I hate having them wait. And really, again, it's about being present. I mean, you know, if your mind is in this place where you feel rushed, then you're not setting your pace. You're not taking your time. You're not being present because you're focused on feeling rushed. And I mean, everybody has their 30 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, I, everybody on that card, even if you are on the slow card, everybody's trying to move fast. And, you know, it's, it is what it is and everybody has that their time. And if there's a backup for five holes, then there's a backup for five holes. And that's just, you know, I mean, I think that's a learning experience, not only for uh, the golfers, but it's also a learning experience for the TD. Maybe the Mm -hmm. TD needs to know that, well, now this round, you know, there was a backup behind this. And so let's shuffle our order. And so it's, it's not just a problem of the slow card. It's a problem of the whole picture and, you know, making things work in the best way for tournaments. Yeah. And sometimes they're just backups. It just works that way. And I love this question because it's so fresh, I guess, for me. And I feel like I've turned the corner a little bit, um, but I'm certainly still working on all those things because I think probably we're all working on all these things forever. You know, I don't think you ever so arrive you with the perfect <laughs> mental game. Um, but I know before I played my first tournament last year, I played a practice round and I, I broke 70 for the first time. I got 69. I'm like, oh, I'm going to crush this thing. And I think my first round in that first tournament, I, I was definitely in the 80s. It was really bad. And I was like, what happened? Because I had never played a tournament before I didn't understand like it's very different and something that I think is so important is you have to practice playing tournaments and there's like no remedy for it except playing more tournaments I like league for that reason big crowded leagues um especially for me like that also adds distraction because it's a lot of amateurs playing leagues and so it's you know it's practice for me and like finding my presence like yeah. with somebody chitter chattering behind sure. me. Whereas I know when I'm playing a regular tournament, I wouldn't yeah. face that challenge. But again, I welcome that yeah. adversity and it, it, it strengthens right. my mental game. And I think it just helps me relax too, because now I kind of approach my practice rounds differently, kind of to your point, just finding my lines and how it's all going to work. And I go in basically with the mindset, hey, it's really cool that I scored this on my practice round if I kept score But I understand that it's going to be different today. And, you know, every time you play a course, it's different. The conditions are rarely (laughs) exactly the same, just weather-wise, you know, anyway. Um, So I feel like it just keeps getting better and better. And it's just putting in the time, like you said, putting the time at leagues, going to tournaments. Uh, It will absolutely get better. It just, it takes a minute. Yeah, for For me, uh, you know, as far as the mental practice goes, when I throw a practice round, if I throw a practice round, I take score from my worst shots. Yeah. And so right doing that, yeah. I'm like, all right, like yeah. I know that I could do better than this, but yes. if I get this score, I'm going to be pretty happy. That's really good. Another yeah. thing that I uh, 
speaking to weather, um, I will always try to figure out when I'm playing my practice round, what the wind direction is yeah. that day. Yeah. And that way, the day of the tournament, if the wind direction is opposite, I'm now more mentally prepared, especially if I'm unfamiliar with mm-hmm. the course. Like this was a tailwind the other day and I threw this. Well, today it's a headwind. So right. if I throw that, it's right. not going to be right. near. And right. so th- that really helps my mental preparation. So yeah. playing your worst shots and just yeah. knowing what the wind direction is can make all the difference, really. That's really good. And I think having a variety of practicing is good as well. I kind of went the other direction in my first year because there's a field super close to my house which they're currently doing like massive amounts of work on so I left lost my field from field work but anyway that's neither here nor there um but maybe that's good to speak to my point because I was doing a ton of field work and not enough course play and I have realized this year and it's been really fun to work on course play is so much different because it forces you into all these shots that you wouldn't have maybe thought of and they're just it's different. Even if I'm trying to practice, you know, my Annie around a light pole out in the field or something, it's so different than when yeah. you're in the actual Still situation. not in a fairway. It's still not, you right. know what I mean? There's so many more different, like, black and white variables on a course that you really can only imagine in a field. Yeah. All right. Malia asks, what are your thoughts on transgender players and what division do you think that they should play in? So I'll take this one first. Um, I can tell you that the official PGA policy is the Stockholm Consensus, which is what the International Olympic Committee adopted back in the early 2000s. I can't remember exactly when. Um, so it's it's kind of um, basically to sum it up, it uh, only allows for those that have basically started physical transitioning to be able to play in um, the division of their preferred gender. Now, I have some thoughts. (laughs) So as far as the PDGA play goes, like sanctioned rounds, disc golf is a really unique sport in that the divisions that we think of as quote unquote men's divisions are not. Those are mixed divisions. So anyone can play MA1, MA2, MA3, MA4, MPO, any of those, while generally mainly men sign up for those divisions, anybody can play those. So there is that. And then as far as the women's divisions go, I mean, I definitely am of the belief that a transgender person should be able to play in whatever division they want to. Um, We're a very young sport. We're still kind of defining who we are. And I would hope that we would go the way of being inclusive. Um, It certainly concerns me when we as society make decisions um, rather than being on what's based on what's fair and based on what helps a marginalized group of people. Uh, We do it based on fear of someone abusing the rules that we've laid out. So I would certainly say if you're transgendered, if you're a transgendered woman and you want to play with other women, go for it. I think that's totally okay. Anything to add to that? Agreed. (laughs) I mean, I think that, you know, being inclusive is really important and I think if I mean if you're a woman in the rest of your life then you can be a woman on the disc golf course totally I I mean yeah all right very good so I've got some shout outs because I asked for shout outs too and something our friend Jenny brought up was shouting out uh, women's only tournaments coming up in August and I really want to do a better job of this on the podcast and the Facebook page of highlighting uh, women's tournaments and there's something I will tell you and I need to maybe dig a little deeper and find out why. But for some reason, not all women's tournaments and events are highlighted in pink on the PDGA website. I don't know why. (laughs) Some of them are, some of them are not. So it makes it a little trickier to find. However, if you have not yet been to discgolfforwomen.com, that's a great resource. It's discgolf, the number four woman, all one word.com. There's also a Facebook group and there's an event page on there that tends to be super duper up to date. Like most events seem to be on there. So that is a really great resource. That is the place to check. But we'll try to kind of highlight and shout out more. So, okay, deep breath. Here we go. <laughs> so the ladies battle Either Bratz or Bratz was on August 4th, and Liz Carsapian won, and she also had a 984 rated round two. That was super awesome. There was the Dames at Dory also on August 4th, and Kristen Parsley won with a three under par total. August 11th, this last weekend, uh, was the Wild Fling in Michigan, Super Charlie's Angels in California, and the Virginia Women's Fun and Finale. 
And then coming up on August 18th, this kind of makes me laugh, but it's awesome. There's the Lady of the Lake in Tahoe and the Ladies of the Lake in Ohio. So make sure you sign up for the right one for depending on which location you're going to. (laughs) And then August 25th is the Mighty Miss in the Quad Cities. Very exciting. Uh, Some other shout outs, Alicia Troust. Uh, who's on team MVP is super stoked about the MVP prism prototype. Uh, those are the discs that they gave out at amateur worlds this year. She said it's really flippy with some good glides. So cool disc to check out. Maybe if you have a lower arm speed and then we have to answer this question because every time I ask these <laughs> for questions, Nova always poses this. So Kaylee and I are going to solve it once and for all. Would you rather fight one Nova sized duck or a hundred duck sized Nova's? I think Amy Crow already like actually laid down the correct answer on Facebook, but I'll let you answer first. <laughs> I would say one Nova-sized duck. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement because Nova's so intelligent. The idea of a hundred little Novas, we'd be doomed. Yeah, there's yeah, you're, no, it's over. Too much. It's game over. <laughs> so there you go. We have decided. The consensus. We have the consensus. <laughs> And shout out to Nova and Kim. They just got back from Ledgestone yesterday. Uh, And Terry Miller reached out. I believe there was some issues with the round one FPO coverage at Ledgestone, um, the live coverage that they did out there. So they're going to be laying down some commentary. And those videos should be out starting uh, Tuesday, starting tomorrow. Okay. So speaking of Ledgestone, let's go ahead and go right into our FPO wrap up and tournament wrap up section. So Ledgestone, that was a heck of a tournament. Did you get to kind of pay attention to any of that at all? Not really. No, I, I saw some highlights. Yeah, of, too busy uh, doing best your putts. disc golf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. There's some weekends that I get to pay like such close attention and then others where I'm just, I feel like I'm constantly playing catch up. Um, I got to catch the live coverage of the round on Saturday, but every other day I was going back much later in the evening because of work and stuff. Anyway. Super cool tournament. Uh, Jessica Weiss comes out with the win. Have you gotten to play with Jessica? I have played with Jessica. Yeah. yeah, She's fun to play with. She's got such an incredible uh, combo drive game. Like her forehand and backhand is just so stinking good. Like she. Yeah. She can throw far. They go real far. (laughs) (laughs) So I was really excited to see her win. I know she is. Um, kind of gone back to her Annie putt and that was working really well for her this weekend. Nice. She was hitting a bunch of uh, circle two putts, which was really cool. And she had to fight off Sarah Hokum. Sarah Hokum went bananas in round three and four. She uh, shot seven down both rounds Man. and really, really pushed Jess. So it was super cool to see uh, the battle going back and forth between the two of them. So if you haven't watched the coverage of that yet, I really encourage you to. Um, those courses are really fun, kind of to your earlier point about fair courses for the women. Um, they, they're they definitely that, but a ton of challenge. Uh, have you played the courses? Do you know those courses that they're at? Northwood no, and Sun, no. uh, Sunset. Uh, so I would love to go play those courses. The, um, yeah, for sure. That part of Illinois is not too far from us. And that's where Pro Worlds is at next year, too. I don't know if they're using oh, really? the same courses or not, so you'll probably get out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. I'm going this year to Vermont. I'm pretty yeah. stoked for that. Oh, man. I am so excited for you. That's going to be a good time. Have you been to Smuggler's Notch before? I have not. Cool. I have not. Yeah, Ava said uh, she warmed the course up for yeah. me, so I got some pro tips there. Dude, what a segue. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. So segueing into our friend Ava, I also wanted to talk about uh, the United States Junior Disc Golf Championship. So that was the first year of that event and it happened um, in between our last last podcast and today and our local junior Ava Meyer got the win in FJ10 so that was awesome she killed it out there yeah and Kaylee's been coaching her which is super cool and yeah uh, yeah her her form just keeps getting better better I mean she's nine she's gonna destroy the world it'll be great um uh, MVP player Lily Ruthen, man, she had a heck of a weekend. I put this on the Facebook page too. She shot well above her current rating to take down FJ12. Uh, Lily Marr won FJ15, and Addison Lowry won FJ8, which the cute little people, they're just the best. So mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> getting them in there early, it's really, really exciting. Big tournaments we have coming up this week, of course, in Kansas City, we're all very focused on Pro Masters Worlds. 
uh, really excited. We've got seven women competing. We've got four in Pro Masters 40 plus and three in Pro Masters 50 plus, I believe. I'll be out there spotting, so I'll get some <laughs> front Excellent. row seat to that action. So yeah. we'll definitely keep you updated on the Facebook page as far as that's going. And then we've got the MVP Open uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. Really excited about that, too. We'll do a recap of that on our next episode. All right, Kaylee. That concludes our episode. Any shout outs? I want to give a shout out to the Kansas City Disc Golf Divas and to my sponsor, DZ Discs. Uh, you can get online and check them out at dzdisc.com. The Yay, disc you team see DZ is Discs. The, the disc you get, Woo-hoo. which is pretty cool. Uh, great prices and pretty reasonable shipping. And you can reach out to Kaylee or I for a discount code. <laughs> That's right. I want to give a shout out to my girlfriend Camille and yeah. her daughter Grayson. Uh, we all went out and played yes. the pop-up disc golf event yesterday at uh, Riverfront Park, which was awesome. And did she did she play disc golf before she met you? She did not. Because no. she throws yeah. good. She does, yeah. I saw her do a couple throws. Yeah. I was like, all right. Doing That's great awesome. with the standstill. Have yeah, to yeah. work in the steps. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like, I mean... We're just, we're all disc golf pushers. It's I like, know. hey, nice to meet you. So let me tell you about disc golf. That's right. Here, here's some free discs. <laughs> yeah. Got to check it out. Yep, absolutely right. All right. Very good. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our episode, if you'd be so kind to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform that you are listening on, as always, you can give us your feedback and questions at ladiesofthechains at gmail.com or reach us through Facebook or Instagram. Have a great couple weeks. Get out and play some disc golf, and we'll catch you next time here on the Lays of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.